So UN and member governments just met for their massive annual extravaganza in New York, and they adopted multiple declarations calling for global governance, vaccines for everyone, government-controlled healthcare, online censorship, and a total restructuring of all of human society. Stay tuned, and I'll tell you more. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Behind the Deep State. I'm your host, Alex Newman, senior editor for The New American Magazine. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, So last week uh, on this show, we talked about the upcoming U.N. General Assembly meetings. Well, those have now passed, and I want to give you a brief recap of what happened there. Obviously, so much goes on there. There's no way we could address it all, but uh, several high-level declarations were adopted by high-level meetings of world leaders, and uh, all of these things will have a profound impact on your life, on your nation, on your government, and on your community. So uh, let's start with one of the big ones. They uh, adopted a pandemic agreement at one of their high-level summits. Uh, The theme for the extravaganza was making the world safer. And it's always making the world safer, right? It's never, hey, we're going to enslave you, because that just wouldn't be quite as popular with the focus group. So making the world safer, creating and maintaining political momentum and solidarity for pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. Uh, They had a little over a dozen heads of state there. And in a press release, they announced that the world leaders had adopted a political declaration demanding stronger international collaboration and coordination at the highest political levels to better prevent, prepare, prepare for, and respond to pandemics. And so by coordination and collaboration, they mean basically the UN should be telling the governments of the world what to do. Uh, so Kim Jong-un and the communist Chinese should have an influence over what happens in the United States. And if you think that's a good idea, got some really nice bridges for sale. Now, uh, in this document, and we'll talk about the the quirkiness of the adoption of this document, but uh, the UN uh, basically committed to uh, lots of big things. Uh, they want to make vaccines for everyone. They want these vaccines to be sustainable and they want distribution to be equitable, meaning everybody gets their 53 boosters. And um, so, yeah, folks, they're they're really moving rapidly here. This uh, political declaration, as they call it, uh, as they call it, talks about glaring inequalities in uh, access to vaccines. And uh, if only everybody had more vaccines, then we just we wouldn't really have any problems in the world anymore. I mean, this is how ridiculous this stuff is. Uh, they, they complain about hoarding of vaccines by rich countries. And uh, so they need more money for poorer governments. And uh, one of the uh, ringleaders of this thing, U.N. Undersecretary General Amina Mohammed, um, she called for uh, strengthening the U.N. and creating a stronger global health system. Um, in this document, they go on to call for a bunch of big changes in a whole bunch of other organizations, including the World Trade Organization and, and other things, to try to make sure that everybody gets as many vaccines as our UN overlords think we need. Uh, they call for strengthening local and regional vaccine and medicine production, uh, particularly in low-income and middle-income countries through technology transfer. In other words, um, we will send them the recipes for these concoctions so that they can inject them into their own populations. Um, and of course, uh, Miss Mohammed, uh, it's not enough to just deal with the, you know, the vaccines and stuff. Uh, all of this is going to require in her words, a reformation of the international financial architecture to alleviate the debt burden uh, of developing countries. In other words, uh, we've got to totally restructure the global economy and, uh, rip off Western taxpayers for hundreds of billions of dollars so that everybody can have enough vaccines, which 
yeah, that, that's kind of what the UN does, right? The word salads meaning nothing and everything. Uh, so she demanded at least $500 billion every single year from you, Mr. and Mrs. Middle Class America, to help finance this crazy health plan. Uh, they also talked about fighting misinformation about vaccines. Uh, it says we need a code of conduct on digital platforms. In other words, if you ask questions about this stuff, if you're a doctor and you are sounding the alarm about these experimental concoctions, well, you should not be allowed to speak. You should not be allowed to put your opinion on the internet. Um, she also called for something that the Secretary General called for. We, we talked about this in a recent episode. The uh, global coordination platform to respond to complex international shocks, which basically would put the UN in charge of emergency management, not just on health crises and pandemics, but on all kinds of issues, climate change, war, economic collapse, black swan events that we don't know what they are. They don't have to be global. They don't have to be crises. Uh, it's just to put the UN in charge of everything. And so, uh, as we've mentioned several times, they'll be dealing with that stuff at next year's summit of the future. Now, the director general of the World Health Organization, a, a, an actual communist terrorist leader, um, he was on the uh, Politburo of the Tigray People's Liberation Front in Ethiopia. His name is uh, Doctor. He's not a, a medical doctor, but Doctor Tedros Cabrasus. He said uh, member states need to take urgent action to implement the commitments made in this document. Um, he said they need a solid agreement by May of 2024 to uh, be able to further empower the World Health Organization to run the planet in the event of pandemics or health emergencies. They actually call them fakes. Uh, a uh, health emergency of international concern, the public health emergency of international concern. They're fakes, right? Got to give the UN more power to deal with fakes. Uh, now, the uh, senior managing director of the World Bank, Axel von Trotzburg, uh, he welcomed the uh, first anniversary of the pandemic fund. They've already got a few billion dollars worth of commitments. And he says this is a good starting point, but give us more money. I, I mean, you could basically sum up all these UN uh, conferences and general assembly meetings. It's always the same thing. Less freedom for you, more power for us, less money for you, more money for us. I mean, that, that is basically the summary of what goes on at these things. And uh, one of the ringleaders of this, uh, she's been haunting the halls of the United Abominations for a long, long time. Former New Zealand Prime Minister Helen Clark, uh, one of the visionaries who came up with the concept of sustainable development. She's been right at the forefront of uh, so many of these crazy UN initiatives. And she says, if you just give us billions, we'll save you trillions, right? Which is, it sounds like one of those scam artists, uh, you know, on late night TV, give us billions and we'll give you trillions, right? And if you order now, you'll get an extra free trillion thrown in absolutely free. All you got to do is give up your freedom. Okay. She called for, uh, and I'm quoting from the uh, press release, your global financing system capable of immediately responding to pandemics. She says, uh, vaccines need to be treated as global common goods and uh, everybody needs them. She uh, called on these agreements to be concluded as quickly as possible and uh, says that the U.N. actually needs to create a dedicated global coordination body for dealing with these issues. Um, she says we need more solidarity and uh, and so on. Um, now, uh, the uh, head of the World Health Organization went on to go back to the COVID-19 pandemic. He says the lived experience of people who suffered through COVID-19 pandemic must be at the forefront of our minds going forward in order to realize the clear direction provided by world leaders. Right? Um, and so he says the uh, COVID-19 demonstrated why the world needs, in his words, a more collaborative, cohesive, and equitable approach to preventing, preparing for, and responding to pandemics. Uh, frankly, uh, anybody who paid close attention to what happened during the pandemic knows 
that that's exactly the last thing we need. Uh, the WHO first, uh, I mean, they did almost everything wrong. They, they told us that, oh, uh, you're racist if you want to stop the China virus by stopping travel from communist China. Oh, it doesn't spread from person to person. Oh, the communist Chinese had nothing to do with it. Oh, if you just lock down your society and quarantine well people for the first time in human history and wear diapers on your face and take these experimental concoctions, everything will be fine. Of course, nothing could have been further from the truth. And, uh, you know, again, this is just a very brief summary of what happened with this uh, pandemic declaration. Now, there's an interesting twist here. Um, two of the leading experts on this, uh, James Roguski and Dr. Francis Boyle. Uh, he's a professor of international law at the University of Illinois. And uh, James Roguski is a journalist who's been exposing these uh, global health schemes for uh, for some time now. Uh, they actually said that the globalists suffered uh, something of a defeat here with this declaration. They wanted it to get they wanted it adopted by the full U.N. General Assembly. But uh, that apparently did not happen. And of course, these things are always very opaque, very hard to understand, uh, even for experts who follow this all day, every day. But uh, James Rogeski provided some of the footage of the confusion at this event. You can check it out. I first invite the high-level meeting to turn its attention to the draft political declaration entitled Political Declaration of the United Nations General Assembly High-Level Meeting on Pandemic Prevention, Preparedness, and Response, the text of which was transmitted to member states by the President of the General Assembly in a letter dated 1 September 2023. Pursuant to General Assembly Resolution 77-275, following the approval of the political declaration by this high-level meeting, I will submit it for the formal adoption by the General Assembly. Now, uh, Dr. Boyle, who we've interviewed here at The New American before, uh, the international law professor, um, he's, he's been uh, very, very much involved in international law for a lot of years. Uh, he actually sent an email to a group of us. He said this, the International Court of Justice has ruled that some types of UN General Assembly resolutions adopted by consensus can become customary international law. And the globalist lawyers know that. So from my perspective, what happened yesterday was a historic defeat for the globalists, um, because, again, it, this was not officially adopted yet by the U.N. General Assembly. Uh, Boyle went on to say that Tedros and the World Health Organization are trying to turn a pig's ear into a silk purse. Uh, he says, in fact, this was a historic failure. The globalists tried and failed to get their declaration adopted by consensus by the U.N. General Assembly, thus uh, preventing it from arguably becoming customary international law, which is what they intended to do in the first place. But they will try again, he warned. Now, uh, there were other uh, health-related declarations and agreements uh, at the uh, another UN General Assembly high-level meeting. Uh, they also approved a, a new political declaration on universal health coverage, which, of course, is code word for government-controlled, government-managed so-called health care. Uh, Dr. Tedros, head of the World Health Organization, says that uh, ultimately universal health coverage is a choice, a political choice. The political declaration countries approved today, and of course these are not countries, these are governments, right? Kim Jong-un is not a country. Uh, but this political declaration that countries approved today is a strong signal that they are making that choice. But the choice is just not made on paper. It's made in budget decisions and policy decisions. Most of all, it's made by investing in primary health care, which is the most inclusive, equitable, and efficient path to universal health coverage. Um, and so through their network of more than 150 country offices, the World Health Organization bragged, and also their six regional offices, they bragged that they're going to be providing support and technical assistance to, in their words, accelerate the radical reorientation of health systems. 
And they are not kidding. That's exactly what they're planning to do, folks. Radical reorientation of your healthcare system. Now, um, a smaller group of governments uh, also signed another declaration at the UN. Now, this was led by uh, Canadian Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolly. Uh, And uh, what this does is it commits the governments involved to fight what they call disinformation. Okay. Um, According to the agreement, they need to take necessary and appropriate measures, including legislation, to address information integrity and platform governance. According to the declaration, these governments will do so in a manner that complies with international human rights laws, which, by the way, if you've read international human rights laws, you know they are not human rights at all. These are privileges granted to you purportedly by the U.N., by uh, things like the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, things like governments. And, of course, if you actually read these things, what you'll find is you have no rights. You have privileges that can be revoked from you at any time for virtually any pretext. Go read Article 29 of the U.N. Universal Declaration of Human Rights. They actually say in there that uh, you cannot use your alleged rights and privileges contrary to the purposes and principles of the U.N. So if you wanted to, say, speak out on government-controlled, government-mandated healthcare and vaccines— Well, that would be using your alleged free speech contrary to the purposes and principles of the United Nations, as agreed in their declarations, and therefore you do not have the right to do that or even the freedom, the privilege of doing that. So, folks, that's what they're doing. Uh, This declaration by these uh, couple dozen governments says they're going to respond to artificial intelligence to identify risk, harms, and uh, opportunities to the information ecosystem. Um, so at this um, special little forum, the, they, they signed this Global Declaration of Information Integrity Online, and uh, some of the other governments that signed, you've got Canada, the U.S. government, which of course doesn't respect the First Amendment anymore, the United Kingdom, Germany, which throws people in jail for saying things that the government doesn't like, for trying to educate children, etc., uh, the Australian government, Japanese, etc., and uh, according to their press release, it sets up the news media as a tool to fight disinformation. And, of course, we all know now that the news media has been one of the biggest purveyors of disinformation, uh, especially in recent years. Uh, Also, the uh, declaration calls on governments to promote uh, diverse online content. Uh, It calls on them to promote and respect pluralistic media and journalism and also uh, to counter disinformation. Uh, And they promise not to unduly restrict human rights online, especially freedom of expression. So they're not going to unduly restrict it, but of course they are going to have to restrict it. It's for your own good. I mean, you guys are too stupid to figure out what's true and what's not. You guys are too stupid to make your own healthcare decisions to determine for yourselves whether you want an experimental injection or not. So the experts and the governments will be making these decisions for you. Now, um, Another major thing that happened, and this was kind of the focus of our uh, episode of Behind the Deep State last week, was the uh, SDG 2023 summit. And so at this summit, uh, world leaders adopted a what the UN is calling a sweeping political declaration, reaffirming commitment to achieve the Sustainable Development Goals. So in the text of this, they uh, agreed, they, uh, I'll just read it to you, we commit to bold, ambitious, accelerated just and transformative actions anchored in international solidarity and effective cooperation at all levels. They say we will promote a systemic shift toward a more inclusive, just, peaceful, resilient, and sustainable world for people and planet. Uh, I want you to listen to the head of the UN General Assembly talking about this summit as he's introducing it. Check it out. It is an honor to welcome you to the 2023 High-Level Political Forum on Sustainable Development, the SDG Summit. The 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development 
adopted unanimously by all United Nations member states in 2015, constitutes a global call to action to banish poverty from our societies, protect and preserve our planet, and to ensure prosperity for all. The 17 Sustainable Development Goals serve as a beacon of hope and a roadmap for common action to create a more equitable, more just, and more sustainable world. Now, at the midway point, it is essential that we take stock of our progress and assess the remaining challenges that confront us. Such assessment is a necessary basis for charting a course of success to ensure that we, the United Nations, keep faith with the bold undertaking we gave to the world in 2015, that no one is left behind. Today's summit therefore provides a unique platform for us to recommit to the 2030 agenda. Now, uh, in their uh, press releases about this, uh, they, they said that uh, this uh, UN Agenda 2030, which the UN, previous UN General Assembly chief, when they actually adopted this in 2015, he called it the master plan for humanity. Uh, the mass murdering dictatorship in communist China said they played a crucial role in developing this. They said no one will be left behind. And uh, so in this new agreement that they agreed to redouble their efforts to this, um, they said uh, the SDGs have to be more than a piece of paper. We need action. We need international finance, which means gives us give us more money. Um, and uh, in this declaration, they reaffirmed their shared commitment to end poverty and hunger by doing the things that have caused massive amounts of poverty and hunger. Yeah, you think I'm kidding. I'm absolutely not. That's exactly what they did here. So they whine and complain about poverty and hunger, which, of course, they are causing through these crazy policies, through their war on farming, through their war on energy, through big government, through socialism, through all these other policies that cause and produce poverty and prevent prosperity. And then they're saying because of that hunger and poverty that we are causing, we need to do more of the things that cause the hunger and poverty. And supposedly that's going to end hunger and poverty. Again, this is so outrageous, folks. But uh, this 10-page document, we talked a little bit about it last week. Um, it uh, makes a lot of promises to do you know, window dressing things and then basically gives a blank check to the U.N., to carry out these tasks. Well, if you want to end poverty, you have to have access to everybody's money so you can redistribute it. If you want to end health problems, well, you have to be able to make everybody's health decisions for them because they might make the wrong decisions. If you want to um, end misinformation, you have to completely control the flow of information. If you want to uh, change the way goods are produced and consumed, well, you got to have government control over the means of production, which, of course, comes straight out of Karl Marx and the Communist Manifesto. So that's what they're doing, folks. Uh, the head of the UN uh, itself, uh, socialist Antonio Guterres, says uh, the UN SDGs need our global rescue plan. says the eyes of the world are on you once again, he told all these uh, alleged world leaders. Okay, so uh, another one of the bigwigs who participated in the summit, uh, Paula Narvaez of Chile. She's the president of the UN Economic and Social Council, which for, for many years has actually been run by communist Chinese operatives, I, I mean, actual members of the CCP. Uh, she says that um, the, these uh, goals, the high-level dialogue on financing for development, the Climate Ambition Summit, the SDGs, all this needs to be a turning point 
for rescuing the SDGs, the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, she says that the UN Council stands ready to support countries' commitments and turn them into action. Uh, so they had a whole bunch of people at this thing. Um, and, and I want to highlight a few. Uh, one of the guys who spoke there was uh, representing the group of 77 governments, which actually is 134 governments plus China. Uh, and, of course, they chose communist Cuba, one of the most repressive dictatorships in the world, to speak for them and represent them. So Miguel Diaz-Canel Bermudez, he is the president of Cuba, which is how they like to refer to their mass murdering dictators, the president of Cuba, speaking on behalf of the G77 plus China, which, by the way, 134 governments do the math. They have like 190 something in the U.N. General Assembly. Yeah, whatever the G77 wants, the G77 will get at the U.N. General Assembly. Uh, and uh, this guy, Miguel uh, Diaz-Canel Bermudez, so there's an unfair economic order. It's not fair that the free countries have all the money because they're producing wealth. And we uh, mass murdering dictators who stole all the money and destroyed our economies. We want that wealth. It's just not fair. So hand it over. OK, he whines about inequality. He calls for an urgent overhaul of the international financial architecture. Wah, 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 wah. Of course, Cuba was one of the most prosperous countries in the world, certainly in the Western Hemisphere when the mass murdering communists took over with help from the U.S. State Department and the liars at the New York Times. Herbert Matthews, we're looking at you. Mr. Uh, Fidel Castro is a freedom fighter. Yeah, that's what you told us. We won't forget. Uh, yeah, Cuba was a very wealthy country, and it could be a very wealthy country again if they would just get rid of the communism that caused all this poverty. But they don't want you to know that. So, uh, of course, they actually had a meeting in Cuba uh, a couple weeks ago, and the head of the U.N. General Assembly was there to throw or excuse me, the head of the U.N. itself, um, Antonio Guterres, the socialist, was there to throw his support behind the demands of this gaggle of kleptocrats, mass murderers, gangsters and others who have impoverished or kept in poverty the third world. Um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about the uh, SDG summit is, yeah, they had a lot of presidents, prime ministers, things like that, but they also had a lot of leaders of regional governments. And of course, Henry Kissinger outlined the strategy for one world order in his book, World Order. Said you got to have regional orders ruling over all the regions. Then you got to relate these regional orders together and bring them into a one world order. And so that is what we saw. Um, you know, first, you had the head of the U.N. Uh, speaking. He said uh, the Sustainable Development Goals, which, by the way, have not been ratified by the U.S. Senate. These were a promise to people. Yeah. Robert Mugabe, the mass murdering Marxist genocidal maniac enslaving Zimbabwe. He made a promise to people. We have to respect that. OK, this is preposterous, folks, but that's what they want you to believe. And uh, he says these goals are not just a list. They carry the hopes, dreams and aspirations of people everywhere. Uh, did, did you? enshrine your hopes in these SDGs? Did, did anybody that you know enshrine their hopes in these SDGs? And of course, the answer is no, right? Your average American's never even heard of these ridiculous things. And yet the UN's calling them the master plan for humanity. Um, uh, Guterres said he was encouraged by the adoption of the political declaration. Uh, he was encouraged by its commitments to hand over half a trillion dollars every year as stimulus for advancing these goals. Um, but he says uh, we need to, again, this is like a common theme, right? We need to reform today's outdated, dysfunctional, and unfair international financial architecture. In other words, give us more money. We're going to turn the world into a global Cuba. So, uh, yeah, there you go, folks. Now, some of the other uh, people who spoke at this thing, you had uh, Azali Asumani, uh, the president of Comoros. And he was not speaking as the president of Comoros. He was speaking as the chairperson 
of the African Union, which, of course, your average African has nothing to do with the African Union. This was imposed on them by the U.S. government, by the European Union, and by the Chinese communists. I mean, most Africans don't know anything about the African Union, right? It's got a military. Okay, they, they really, uh, this is just a total scam. And so this guy, uh, Mr. Azali, uh, spoke there. And uh, he says, hey, we need more money to implement these global global goals. Um, he says uh, that uh, it's not sufficient to achieve the SDGs. Give us more money. Give us more money. Give us more money. Uh, he says the success of the SDGs will depend on resources that we can mobilize to do so. In other words, when they say resources mobilized, they mean mobilizing the resources in your bank account into their bank account. Okay, that, that's what mobilizing resources mean. Uh, now, they had plenty of others. Uh, they had uh, Charles Angelo Savarin, the president of Dominica, speaking for the Caribbean community, CARICOM, right? Notice all these regional governments popping up at this thing. Uh, it's been around for now 50 years. It says, we firmly believe that greater commitment, solidarity, and transformative action are needed to achieve the targets within a realistic time frame. Uh, next up, you also had... João Manuel Gonçalves Lourenço, the president of Angola, speaking for the Southern African Development Community, a regional government within the regional government that they're building uh, called the African Union. So um, they also had uh, Julius Mada Bayo, uh, president of Sierra Leone, speaking on behalf of the Group of Seven Plus member states. You had uh, Surangels Whips Jr., president of Palau, speaking as the chair of the Pacific Small Island Developing States. You had... Uh, Fiame Naomi Matafa, Prime Minister of Samoa, speaking for the Alliance of Small Island States. You had Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, sometimes known as the president of Europe, also whining about how uh, we need more global governance. Uh, we need more of the very same policies that have been fueling poverty around the world, like carbon markets, like falsely labeling CO2 a pollution and then extorting money from the plebs to um, give to the big corporations, the big mega banks, the big oil companies, etc. You had uh, Alexei Overchuk, uh, Deputy Prime Minister of Russia, speaking on behalf of the Eurasian Economic Union. He actually said the Eurasian Economic Union, right? Notice even Putin is building his little regional government in accordance with the strategy laid out by his good buddy, Henry Kissinger. He says the Eurasian Economic Union assists its members in achieving sustainable development goals. Wow, isn't that cute? You had uh, Retno Lestari Priyasnari Marsudi, uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs of Indonesia, speaking for the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, ASEAN. Oh, folks, and it goes on and on, right? He says, uh, achieving the sustainable development goals by 2030 is going to require transformative changes, including in education, including in climate, including digitalization and finance. They're talking about CBDCs. So we need Congress to defund this stuff immediately. We need Congress to get us out of the World Health Organization. We need them to stop giving our tax money to these things. And I'll remind you again, even if these things were valid exercises of government power, and they're not, they have not been ratified by the U.S. Senate as required for any international agreements to be considered valid. And even if they had been ratified by the Senate, the U.S. Congress, the U.S. government does not possess these powers to begin with. They certainly cannot delegate powers they don't have to organizations through treaties that they haven't signed or ratified. So all of this stuff, folks, is a total farce when it comes to legally speaking, but that doesn't mean that they won't do it. So uh, right now, there is a major battle heating up in the House of Representatives. Of course, if you've read your constitution, you know all appropriations, all spending has to originate in the House of Representatives. Right now, that's controlled by Republicans. Republicans could put a stop to all of this right now 
All we need is for them to show a backbone and to show the political will to do that. So don't get distracted by the fake media. I know they're not telling you any of this stuff. There's a reason they're not telling you any of this stuff, because if you knew, if Americans knew, this stuff would be brought to a screeching halt immediately. Call your congressman. Tell them this is unacceptable. Tell them you don't want any more of your money going to the United Abominations. In fact, uh, they might want to co-sponsor the American Sovereignty Restoration Act to get us out of the U.N. to kick this clown show off of American shores. Move them to Cuba. right? Move them to uh, Iran. I mean, North Korea is nice this time of year, I hear. There's plenty of places that this gaggle of kleptocrats could convene without us without our money, without spying on us, without protesting us. Uh, there's absolutely no reason for the United States and for the American people to continue participating in this. Um, I'm Alex Newman. This is Behind the Deep State. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, God bless you all. All right, parents, listen up. We've all seen the countless examples of how radical, radical leftists have been destroying American schools. It's no longer just about the terrible math and reading levels. Now radical left teachers birthed from liberal universities are forcing gender indoctrination in, in kindergarten. They're teaching lessons on white guilt. Freedom Project Academy has perfected live on online learning over the course of a decade. I get a ton of great feedback about this program, a ton. They're built on Judeo-Christian values, a classical curriculum. What does that mean? It means they're taught, your children are taught, taught the way that the founding generations of the country. My own son Noah did Freedom Project Academy for uh, several years uh, when he was younger. The more we tell our friends about these things, the more people will get on board. And I, and I believe that we can be the catalyst to some real change. We must save the West. Our way of life and our culture is under attack. And because of patriots like you and your project, I have optimism for the future.